I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, America. Good afternoon, the world. And welcome to another edition of the Sea Report coming to you live on this day. Yes, we made it to the middle of the week, June 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Mr. C, as always, also known as Michael Aaron Gossett. It's good to be with you guys today. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday, a wonderful middle of the week, ladies and gentlemen. And boy, do I have a show for you guys today. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't even really get to do a whole lot of catching up on some of the other news. Uh, I was on a little bit later today uh, than I would prefer to have been. I mean, honestly, guys, like right now, like my schedule as far as the live streams are going, I'm narrowing down on a time. You know, it seems like it's going to be sometime around midday. So, you know, if you do enjoy what I'm doing here on this channel and on these broadcasts that I do, make sure you follow along, whether you're at Rumble, Twitch, whether you're at pill.net, the foxhole.app. You know, there are other platforms and apps that the C-Report does come out on, but currently we're only live streaming on those three particular platforms. So, you know, if you want to catch a live show and you want to be here in the audience, Hit that notification button, meaning hit that follow button, ladies and gentlemen. That way you can always stay up to date. I had some errands to run this morning slash afternoon, right? 
So that's why I'm a little bit on later today. Otherwise, I probably would have been about I would have been on about noon today. But, you know, I'm also kind of gauging, you know, what the audience looks like and the preference. But I figured the more I'm on the air, probably the more you guys will get comfortable with what I'm doing and uh, my format and uh, information that I'm sharing. So, you know what? Hang up. Why don't you? And, uh, you know, if you catch the replays, I can't blame you. I can only thank you. For being here and doing that, but if you want to share those, uh, if you want to share those replays or any of the clips I do, please by all means do so, ladies and gentlemen. Greatly appreciate it. You know, it's all about sharing the information is what's more important to me. You don't even have to put my name on it, right? I mean, if you're sharing a link, I guess that's one thing, uh, but if you're just sharing the information, that is what is the most important thing about anything I speak about here, if it resonates with you or if it's something that you feel is worth looking into researching, ladies and gentlemen, or perhaps it corroborates something independently that you've already heard. Who knows? Uh, the point is to get the information out and share. Today would be a great case in point for that. Uh, today I'll be covering, today's basically going to be like a Texas episode. I mean, big news, guys. Like, we have Texas bracing to leave ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center, uh, which I lovingly refer to as the Election Rigging Information Center. You guys have heard about ERIC before. We've talked about ERIC on this broadcast. And, uh, you know, ERIC is actually the topic of the conversation these days, right, around the water cooler or perhaps at the breakfast table. Uh, when we're talking about election fraud and the various ways that they are able to uh, induce fraud into our elections, when we talk about institutionalized rigging in our elections, you better believe that the Electronic Information Registration Center was a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, we uh, they've been bleeding out recently, right? They've been bleeding out in the last year and a half or so with uh, the, their 32 member states uh, I think they've bled about eight of them, and Texas is looking to uh, be one of the next, if not the next state to go. I was just talking about the exit like last week, right? You remember about two weeks ago, I was like, I'm going to have to write to my Texas Secretary of State, Jane Nelson, and tell her she needs to get Texas the heck out of Eric. Well, you know what? The Texas legislators have already passed that bill and it is on the way to Governor Abbott's desk. So actually, it's been on the way. Actually, I think we need to find out why Governor Abbott has not signed that bill yet, to be honest with you. But if you haven't heard it yet, you heard it here first. Texas is bracing to leave the Electronic Registration Information Center. I've got the bill here to share with you guys in a little bit. We're also going to be talking about the Harris County 2022 botched midterm election, since that doesn't seem to get a lot of FaceTime around these parts. I'm going to give you guys some updates on what's going on right there. Indeed, along with this Eric bill to leave Eric for Texas, uh, uh, the Texas State House also passed several election bills, right? In my opinion, these bills were all a little bit too late and uh, a dime short of a dollar. Okay, that's my opinion, right? Because we seem to be forever caught up in the we'll get them next time mode, right? We seem to be forever caught up in, uh, well, next time we'll make sure they don't steal. But no one ever wants to go back and uh, correct any of the wrongs or to do any type of meaningful investigation. Instead, all they do is they, uh, they push the people away and they criticize those who want to verify their elections. You know, in a simple and practical world, 
And I know that this world is anything but simple and practical, right? It's at least of all practical, you know. Wouldn't it just make sense if someone honestly had a question about any process and if those who were working the process were honest about their process, that they would just answer that question honestly? I mean, in a simple and practical world, if uh, um, a voter said, I question the elections, where are we at when election officials, politicians, judges, even, you know, commissioners, anyone who's above a layman, right, and, and is working in government seems to, oh, let's also include media in that, guys. But, you know, media is government, basically, right? I mean, they basically are the fourth estate, you know? So, you know, when it comes to that, guys, uh, we have these, all they do is they push the people back. They criticize the people. They uh, they they call us conspiracy theories. All they have to do is just run a legit audit. All they have to do is answer our questions legitimately. You know, uh, it, we wouldn't even have to go to court, you know, if they were following procedures the way that, you know, at least some Texans, some Americans think that they should. But, you know, if we've learned anything, ladies and gentlemen, over uh, the last three years collectively, and by collectively, I mean members of this audience and uh, um, members of audiences from broadcasts similar to this, you know, if we've learned anything, it's that uh, this is what they do. This is part of the institutionalized rigging, right? Consider the uh, consider the manuscript, the book, Vote Scam, The Stealing of America, that we're currently reading here on this channel. You know, we're doing a book reading of this book that shows this entire portion of rigged and uh, um, institutionalized. It's it's institutionalized. We're just going to put it there, guys. It is institutionalized. It means that our institutions have created a standard operating procedure for selecting their peers while deceiving Americans into thinking that they are part of a legitimate and organic process. Okay. We are not. All right. This is a big lie. You want to talk about a big lie? That's the big lie. Okay. That's the big deception, right? That's the thing that would turn this nation and this world around if people ever really found out how far and how long this deception has been going on, ladies and gentlemen. So anyways, you know, uh, don't don't allow me to get too far off on my soapbox this afternoon too early now. Right. We're going to talk about Harris County. So, you know, in addition to the Eric bill that will uh, assist Texas in leaving the election rigging information center, uh, there were some other bills that they passed in regards to elections. Like I said, uh, you know, a minute too late, a dime short of a dollar. But some of these bills actually focus on Harris County. So uh, we'll talk about that in um, in regards to Harris County. What are some of the new laws that the Texas State House has passed? How is Harris County reacting? And then, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new report that was released out of Harris County. Well, actually, I say it's new, but it was actually released, I think, sometime at the end of March or the beginning of April. 
But anyhow, anyways, we have a breakdown and it goes into the specifics of everything that happened, or at least everything that Harris County and its elections administrator, Clifford Tatum, cared to put into the report. There are some things here that, you know, for you election hounds out there, uh, you know, for you individuals who've been following these election stories and you kind of got a working idea, if not a pretty good idea of some of the steps in the process in our electoral process, it's going to make some of you guys mad. Okay, it's going to make some of you guys mad. Maybe I know it made my blood boil a little bit reading some of the statements from Clifford Tatum. You know, uh, he is the current elections administrator in Harris County, Texas, uh, who previously botched elections in other jurisdictions, such as Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen. So anyways, we're also going to catch the uh, Texas Secretaries of State. Texas Secretary of State's response to uh, what happened in 2022 in Harris County. It's crazy. I mean, I've been telling you guys, I've been telling you guys, we're right in the middle of a huge cover-up job with this A.G. Paxton impeachment. I guarantee that is the game that is at play right now, ladies and gentlemen, because they do not want to talk about these candidates yeah, I've been saying there are 21. There are 22 of them. There are 22 candidates in Harris County who have sued the county. We'll talk a little bit about that today as well. And uh, we might do a little bit of a retrospect on some of the election rigging and fraud that has taken place in Houston, Texas. That's Harris County, you know, um, for a time, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we're going to go back to 2008 on this one. All right. So it should be a pretty fun episode today. Um, I would highly recommend that you share this information with anyone that you might know who's from Texas, anyone whom you might know that can actually move the needle forward when it comes to election fraud and exposing it. Anyone who might be able to share this story on a broader and a wider audience level please do, because not enough people are talking about Harris County. Not enough people are talking about the botched elections of 2022 in Texas. And uh, I think it's time that some of us paid a little bit of attention to it. Now, uh, by way of other news today, I actually didn't really have a whole lot of time to look at any uh, of the other news that was going on. I know that, uh, well, we had Tucker Carlson debut his episode uh, on Twitter, I think it was, I guess it was last night, wasn't it? I mean, I got, I mean, I watched it. I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, 10 minutes, Tucker Carlson, Twitter, right. You know, but, um, I mean, I gotta say guys, <laughs> all I can say is I really, 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 really hope that Tucker Carlson's not just trying to distract conservatives and Republicans with things like UFOs and aliens. Now, don't get me wrong whether or not we are alone in this universe. Well, I mean, isn't God up there anyway? So we're not really alone, are we? Just kidding. Am I kidding, guys? Anyways, so, you know, like, here's the thing. It's important, right? I mean, I'm sure it's something that we want to know. But I mean, UFOs. I, I mean, I hope that Tucker Carlson's show does not turn into some conspiracy theory show. I mean... <laughs> No, 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 no. I get it. He there, there are documents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know we're not alone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not dogging that. I'm just saying, can't you open your show with election fraud, Tucker? Like, anyways, I'm just, you know, I'm a stickler, guys. I'm a stickler. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hater, but I am a stickler. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it is okay to have standards, right? And expectations. 
I mean, my personal standards, we're not talking about that, but, you know, standards for news information is a totally different thing, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, see, that, that was just my thought. I was like, cool, let's go. Let's get the truth going. I mean, you never know what can come out of this. I mean, we might actually see a real, true, independent like uh i don't know how you would call it force rising out of i mean they kept they kept on saying that you know we are the media now we are the media now i'm citizen journalists right i don't consider myself a journalist i'm a writer but i don't consider myself a journalist i consider myself like a citizen truth sharer <laughs> information center i am an information center myself here on this channel ladies and gentlemen who needs eric anyways okay so guys, I mean, you know, so I'll, I mean, I'll be watching, I'll be watching Tucker Carlson's, especially since they're 10 minutes, right? I love that. I love brevity, ladies and gentlemen, brevity that packs a punch. Sorry, I'm working on it for this show, guys. But um, uh, I just, I'm just like, okay, I mean, yes, good, you know, good. Talk about the UFOs, Tucker. But, um, you know, can we at least save our republic first before we start talking about UFOs and Bigfoot? Jesus. Anyways, okay, that's all I got to say about that, guys. Okay. <laughs> other than that, you know, I didn't spill into too many other news items. So we're just going to jump straight into today's episode, guys, so we can get it underway. I got, I mean, it seems it's, it's seemingly a lot of information, I think, you know, so we'll go ahead and take our time digesting it. Uh, we will uh, forego on the Trump truths for today. Unfortunately, we will not be opening um, the show today with any President Trump truths, but we got to talk Texas, ladies and gentlemen. So for those of you out there who have been uh, who've been wondering what all is the going on? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get into it. Good afternoon, Bubbles. Good to see you. Oh, wait, this is Bubbles Sup. Good afternoon, Bubbles Sup. <laughs> Thanks for being here live today. All right, guys. Let me go ahead and get us into the switch mode here. And uh, we'll get our stories rolling. We're going to start our Texas stories today with uh, the tale of Eric, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Okay, that's a that's a little bit okay. Uh, let me just adjust something real quick here. Oop. Okay, better. All right. And Eric, the Electronic Registration Information Center, that which we have heard about for so many years, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we all kind of understood. Well, maybe not all at first, but you know, because we've been going through this information, uh, we've been uh, we've been updating the information, uh, we've been reviewing the information. Because you know, I'm of the mind that in order for information to be, uh, in order for information to be effective, it needs to be accessible. Which means we need to recall it, ladies and gentlemen. Which means it's not all about breaking the news, ladies and gentlemen. It's about uh, it's about finessing the uh, the narrative right and and uh, allowing it to breathe some right so you know the electronic registration information center previously of 32 states and uh, it's come out that uh, the history of it you know uh, the individual who created it was a, a, a way leftist who's working for CEIR now I think he founded it etc uh, so you know uh, that was one of the things that they were considering whenever they're looking at some of the origins of this organization which is meant to be like an interstate election um, registration 
information center, right? <laughs> they call it the electronic information registration center. Why don't they just call it the election registration information? That's what they supposedly do. You know, but whenever we started finding out about the uh, inflated voter rolls in states like Wisconsin, states like Texas, states like California, Michigan, etc., you know, um, it started to be a possible theory. It was a working theory that instead of um, um, ensuring vote fraud did not occur, Right. And and that the voter rolls were clean, which was uh, the electronic registration information centers alleged uh, um, reason for existence, which it never did. You know, um, it really starts to become apparent that they might actually be uh, existing for another reason. You know, uh, one of the things that I speculated with no evidence, no hard proof was that uh, during the 2020 election cycle and even up to now in 2023, we'll probably see it again. You know, we had these massive ballot dumps that happened at night. Right. But, you know, say they want to do an audit. Right. Say that it's like Arizona. And, you know, you can't just have all of these fake fraudulent ballots with no names that you can assign to it with not an identity that you can steal to to slap on that fraudulent ballot. That is where the Electronic Registration Information Center can be useful, because not only does the Electronic Registration Information uh, Information Center uh, um, uh, call all of these voters who well, allegedly cold voters who were double voting or who were registered in different states or who had moved, right? Because they were supposed to clean their rolls, but they never did. Okay. We had states that tried to get this information from Eric and they would say, oop, sorry, it's proprietary. Oop, sorry, we're private. Or oop, sorry, you're going to have to pay us like 25K if you want to get that information. Sorry, voter information's not free to people in your state, not free to the taxpayer. You have to pay us X amount, thousands of dollars. Okay. You know, and so it was kind of like, well, maybe because these guys, they're not just they're not just like keeping voter rolls clean, which they weren't. They were also able to access like the DMV, the driver license databases, the uh, ID databases, so that not only could Eric um, figure out who shouldn't be voting because they'd moved or they were, you know, they, whatever, whatever the reason was in their state that they couldn't, they were not eligible to vote. They could also be, they could also compare their state voter rolls to the state DMV. And by doing that, they could figure out how many and who uh, were eligible to vote that were not registered. Now, you can bet when the time come, depending on which side of the uniparty was in power and wanting to win the election, that Eric would most likely get Democrat. Say it was a Democrat they wanted in power. They would get Democrat leaning voters with demographics for Democrats. Right. And they would get them registered. Right. Say it was a Republican. They would do the same for them, ladies and gentlemen. It's probably what they do here in Texas. You know, it's probably what they do here in Texas. So I'm kind of glad to see that Eric will be seeing the its way out, ladies and gentlemen, from the Lone Star State. Uh, let's take a look at the information. So we have this coming from the Federalist. Bill allowing Texas to withdraw from Eric. Voting system is headed to Governor Abbott's desk. Let's take a look, ladies and gentlemen. It goes this way. 
uh, it says uh, on Monday, the Texas legislature, and this was published on the 30th of May, on Monday, the Texas legislature sent a bill allowing the state to withdraw from the leftist controlled voter roll management group known as ERIC to Governor Abbott's desk for signature. But the governor's office remains mum on whether he'll sign the legislation. As the Federalist previously reported, the Electronic Registration Information Center, or ERIC, is a widely used voter roll management organization founded by Democrat activist David Becker that was sold to states as a quick and easy way to update their voter rolls. In actuality, ERIC inflates voter rolls by requiring member states to contact eligible but unregistered residents to register to vote. Passed by the Texas House of Representatives and Senate last week, Senate Bill 1070 allows Texas to identify and contract with the provider of a private sector data system to identify voters whose addresses have changed, who are registered to vote in more than one state, who are deceased, and who are not qualified to vote under state law. The measure was introduced by Republican Senator Brian Hughes in February. While the bill would permit Texas to withdraw from the left's newest election charade, it remains unclear whether Abbott will sign it. When pressed on whether the governor would approve Senate Bill 1070, Abbott's office did not respond to any comment or request. Eric's problems go far beyond inflating voter rolls, however. In fact, the organization enjoys an active relationship with the Center for Election Innovation and Research another Becker-founded group to which Eric transmits the voter roll data it receives from the states. Upon receiving the data, CEIR then develops targeted mailing lists and sends them back to the states to use for voter registration outreach. In other words, the Center for Election Innovation and Research is creating lists of potential and likely Democrat, again, depending on which uniparty establishment person they want in. It just so happens they don't want Trump in right now. It just so happens he may not be uniparty, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess, right? Anyways, he still got my vote. Okay, so let's see. It says here, uh, most likely Democrat um, CIR is creating potential list of voters for states to register in the lead up to major elections for contests. The Center for Election Innovation and Research is one of the two nonprofits, along with the Center for Tech and Civic Life, that received tens of millions of dollars from Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg leading up to the 2020 election. These grants were poured into local election offices throughout the country to push sloppy Democrat-backed voting practices, such as mass mail-in voting and the widespread use of ballot drop boxes. Unconstitutional, I might add. Analysis shows these Zuckerbucks uh, were heavily skewed toward Democrat municipalities, especially in swing states, effectively making it a giant Democrat get-out-the-vote operation. If ultimately signed by Abbott, Texas could join the ranks of Virginia, West Virginia, Florida, Missouri, Ohio, and Iowa, all of which withdrew from Eric earlier this year. Uh, meanwhile, Alabama and Louisiana announced their respective departures from the organization last year. So we're looking at leaving Eric in the state of Texas. How does that make you guys feel? I mean, that makes me feel pretty good. 
I mean, again, I am usually the kind of person that when I'm looking at my uh, state and my legislators, I'm like, it's a dollar too late and a dime too short, right? Yeah, I say it somehow. But anyways, guys, so, you know, I was like, how intuitive is my Texas legislative body? You know, it's something that's been coming for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad to see that it happened a lot sooner than I was anticipating. You know, and I'll be absolutely honest with you guys, because I had planned to be up in the Capitol during our legislative session. But then, of course, I had a death in the family. So that kind of put the kibosh on all of those plans, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but this was a very interesting development, I would have to say. Uh, and it's a welcome one as well. You know, the only thing about it, though, you know, is that um, what they'll be doing is, well, I guess I shouldn't say the only other thing. I, we would have to see exactly how it plays out. Uh, because, um, you know, the bill that they're passing, while it does not formally announce that Texas is seceding from the Electronic Information Registration Center or the Electronic Registration Information Center, while it does not say that we're formally succeeding, it does provide a pathway for us to leave, Eric. So, you know, once uh, once Governor Abbott signs that bill, he called a special session. He hasn't signed the bill. It's been there at least since the 30th of last month. It's about a week away, right? You know, a week or two. No, I mean, a week in days, a week in change. Anyways, you know, one would have to wonder what's the holdup, right? Uh, let's take a look at this. I wanted to look at this article too, uh, which also talks about the Eric situation. This one uh, digs a little bit uh, into some of the history of Eric and uh, I guess some of the controversy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and it talks a little bit more about uh, some of the things that Eric was responsible for in regards to um, um, assisting election fraud or possible election fraud as part of being part of our institutionalized vote rigging system. Eric was part of the standard SOPs, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this article, of course, is from the mainstream lamestream. So it has, uh, has a negative slant towards anyone that views Eric with question. Uh, it says here, at its peak, Eric had 32 member states. The more data the organization has, the more effective it can fulfill its mission. Someone moving from Chicago to Houston who trades to uh, who trades in their Illinois driver's license for a Texas one, for example, would be caught by Eric's trackers so long as Texas and Illinois are members giving Eric DMV info. Which, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if we're being realistic, I mean, you can use the national... Um, what is it called? The National uh, Change Address or whatever, that system. In fact, that's going to be one of the, the requirements for the new system, whatever that system might be, that Texas is going to adopt in order to get its voter rolls um, uh, taken care of, which I don't understand. I mean, like, did we not take care of our voter rolls before Eric was introduced, ladies and gentlemen? Anyways, the article goes on to say here, but amid the conspiracy theory, see, we're conspiracy theories, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're conspiracy theorists. Um, among, amid the conspiracy theories launched mostly by 2020 election deniers, whatever that means, without much evidence, some conservative states have abandoned Eric. Louisiana, Virginia, West Virginia, Alabama, Missouri, and Florida have all left the organization. Meanwhile, President Trump has given the accusations a heightened platform, posting on Truth Social in early March that the group dumps the rolls for pumps the rolls, excuse me, pumps the rolls for Democrats. 
Jay Valentine, an Austin area businessman, played a role in spreading uh, these claims. Yeah, I'm cutting out their words like unfounded. <laughs> that Eric was missing reams of voter fraud data. He wrote a series of columns for the, uh, well, they call him the right-wing conspiracy website, The Gateway Pundit, describing Eric as aimed at voter rolls fattening while claiming to possess a technology called fractal programming, which could do the job better. I don't think I ever read that article. I read a series of articles from The Gateway Pundit about Eric. I think a lot of us did out there, ladies and gentlemen. I don't remember reading one about fractal programming. Uh, David Becker, a former um, uh, non-voting member of Eric's board who departed the group in March due to the attacks, told TPM uh, that the Gateway Pundit had played a role in fomenting the tidal wave of pressure that led to multiple states leaving Eric. Eric makes it harder for losers to claim an election was stolen, Becker remarked. You know, I don't doubt that, ladies and gentlemen. I do not doubt that Eric makes it harder for losers to claim an election was stolen. What an erudite statement, Mr. Becker. Because, you know, if you have fraudulent ballots and you don't have a system like Eric to assign all of those ballots stolen identities, then it would be easy for a loser to not only claim fraud, but prove it. So actually, I guess Eric really makes it harder to prove that there was fraud. But of course, that's just speculation. Anyways, let's continue looking at this article. And it goes on to say, uh, Valentine told TPM the, that former Milwaukee County Sheriff, self-described cowboy and Fox News fixture David Clark called him in the days after the 2020 election and requested that he run data on voter rolls in the area. Sheriff Clark is a very tall man. Anyways, it says, I never saw a voter roll in my life until Sheriff Clark gave me one, Valentine claimed. From there, Valentine said that he began to apply fractal programming to several states and localities, finding a series of anomalies that he said rendered the outcome of the 2020 election unknowable. Valentine is one of several people who claim that Eric is fraudulent and are offering up solutions. These people all make versions of the same claim. Their systems keep voter rolls cleaner than Eric does, do it more cheaply, and from the outside. In addition to Valentine, Arizona election denier, whatever that means, Mark Fincham is reportedly working on his own Eric alternative, while a mysterious platform called Eagle AI has also been mentioned among right-wingers. And, you know, I got to say, guys, as long as this new system of things is not just a replacement for establishment system of things, then maybe it'll work. You know, I don't want us to end up doing something like I'm hearing from some supposed conservative, supposed Republic restorationists, people who supposedly want to make America great again, people who supposedly want election integrity, right? real election integrity, but yet they want to do ballot harvesting. OK, I get it. Right. If ballot harvesting is legal in your state, then I guess go ahead and do it, right? But if it is illegal in your state, you better not do it just because the Democrats do it, okay? You better not do it just because rhino establishment Republicans do it, ladies and gentlemen. 
you better not do it just because the uniparty is doing it. This is not everyone else is doing it, so why can't we time, right? No, this is everyone else is doing it. It's time to take a stand and be different, right? It's time to stay, take a stand and show our individuality. Let's not just go along with the crowd, right? Anyways, okay. Um, it says here, the key to Eric experts said is that it relies on data from multiple state governments, which are only available to those governments to scan for duplicate voters. Without that shared data, it would be virtually impossible for an outside vendor to do what the system does. Okay. Now it's interesting because they use an, in, they use a, uh, they use an example here. Let me see if they have it. I think I read it in this article. They use an example of uh, a situation that happened here in Texas. Yeah, here it is in 2019. Okay. So it says here in this paragraph, it says, experts told TPM that the most likely outcome is that states land where land the state of Texas lands back where it was before it joined Eric. In 2019, when it faced lawsuits over an attempt to remove non-citizens from the voter rolls that resulted in thousands of people being purged from the voter rolls. Let me tell you about that, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you about that, because, you know, just like we're going to see when we get into the Harris County information, uh, it's not 100% the truth what they're telling us, okay? Um, so what was going on here in 2019? This was under Governor Abbott, okay? Um, it was his second Secretary of State, a man by the name of Whitley, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it was Josh Whitley, maybe. But it was Secretary of State Whitley or Whitley or Whitey or something like that. It was with the W, okay? Now, uh, he was going to... Uh, make an attempt to clean the Texas voter rolls. He had learned, uh, and this is prevalent in Texas, that there are literally thousands of illegal aliens. That's right. I said it. Illegal aliens. I'm not talking about the Tucker Carlson invasion here, guys. I'm talking about the ones from across the border, okay? That um, because they're given a driver's license or an ID, like, they get to vote automatically. You know, not that they get to, but like, as it ends up happening, they end up voting. All right. So uh, what um, what the secretary of state was going to do back in 2019 was going to purge the voter rolls indeed. But what ha what had happened was when he sent his request over to the DMV. Right. And the DMV was supposed to check, um, was supposed to give him a list like filtered through that said that said that um, it was for non naturalized residents only. OK, well, the DMV forgot to click the naturalized residents box. And so uh, the secretary of state received a list of voters that included naturalized citizens and in unnaturalized citizens. Now, obviously, unnaturalized citizens, illegal people, right? They cannot vote here. Naturalized citizens can. So you can imagine the upset by thousands of naturalized Texans, right, who felt that this guy and Greg Abbott were being racist against them because he was, they were trying to strip them of their right. And that's exactly the way the Texas Tribune painted it. And that's exactly the way the Texas media painted the story. They said, oh, this is racism. They just want to kick out all the Mexicans and whoever else got naturalized in Texas. And they want to strip them of their right to vote so the Republicans can win. And that's exactly what happened. 
So as you can imagine, the second secretary of state of Texas under Abbott, who actually attempted to do his job, was fired, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that was that. Okay, so that's not 100% here. Okay, that was a foul up on the DMV side, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, maybe the Secretary of State wasn't specific enough, but I'm pretty sure that he was. And uh, after that, we got on to our third Secretary of State under Abbott. So, well, well, what can you do? All right, Texas? Anyways, guys, yeah, that's right, Bubbles Up. Impeach them all. That's what I say. I say impeach them all. Like, you know, I, I, even in my Texas house, like, they're... At this point in the House, not the Senate, were maybe three people, maybe three that I thought I could trust. One of them is gone now. Okay, so there's only two left. All right. Um, but, you know, I just the more I see this as a pantomime of politics, uh, a clown show, if you will, a puppet show, if you want a pantomime, ladies and gentlemen, it's all fake. You know, they're all shadow boxing up there, guys. It's not real. Right. I just, I'm, I'm finding it, and I'm not being cynical, guys. You know, I stopped being a cynic a long time ago, right? But I'm finding it hard to have faith in anyone who is currently in the state house in an elected role, you know? I'm going to stay, I'm going to say at the state level, I'm not going to take it all the way down to the local just yet, right? But definitely at the state level. I, I, you know, and that's not being cynical, like I said. I think it's being realistic. I think if uh, if if the people who supposedly represent us, you know, who were allegedly voted into office, stood down and allowed us to collect correct these elections or just let us do a whole redo. But like, again, paper ballots only same day voting, et cetera, you know, um, then maybe I would think differently. But, you know, I never even hear about an elected official who questions election uh, elections and whether or not there was fraud that is willing to sacrifice their own office in order to prove it. You know, it would be something if we had a candidate who would actually sacrifice their own office in order to prove it. In other words, they would say, you know what? The election uh, machines, the election rigging machines were not certified in 2016, which means I am inhabiting this office illegally. I have to vacate the office and we have to have a new election because that is against national uh, federal laws. Right. And, and that goes down to state law as well. That's what we need. We have never had a politician who had the guts to do that. And that is what we need on their side. That is what we need on their side. That's the only way they're going to get my confidence back in them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is the bill. We're not going to read. It's only four pages, but we're not going to read it all, guys. Don't worry. I just wanted to show it to you guys. An act relating to interstate uh, election voter registration cross-check program. Uh, the uh, act is um, also cited to be known as the Allen Vera Memorial Act. So let me tell you guys a little bit about the Allen Vera Memorial Act or the Texas is leaving Eric Act. Okay. Uh, Allen Vera was a uh, conservative activist um, who, uh, who was up at the uh, state house Capitol uh, every legislative session attended all the big events, um, talked to his, uh, talked to his, um, representatives, uh, a big time activist. And uh, he was a proponent um, to get Texas out of Eric. And it just so happens, uh, if I'm if I'm citing the story correctly, 
that Alan Vera, who went to the Texas Capitol and fought to get Texas out of Eric, actually died at the Texas State House, ladies and gentlemen, during one of these sessions, uh, and I believe it was doing with the elections. So in honor of Mr. Vera, the Texas uh, state legislators who wrote this bill, Senator Brian Hughes, named the act after him because his fight was for Texas elections and to get Texas out of Eric. So to commemorate and honor him, they call this known as the Alan Vera Act as well. So there's a little bit of history on that. I mean, it's, 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 you know... <laughs> It's uselessly useful information, right? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, the voter uh, register. So it just says that this is so it doesn't say we're leaving Eric. It doesn't say Texas is officially leaving the electronic registration information center. But what it does say is that with this act, uh, the Texas secretary of state has the um, uh, has the uh, ability to leave and to join, but there are stipulations, of course. So uh, the interstate voter registration cross-check program is to maintain the statewide voter registration list and to prevent duplication of registration in more than one state or jurisdiction. Uh, the Secretary of State shall cooperate with other states and jurisdictions to develop systems to compare voters, voter history, and voter registration lists to identify voters whose addresses have changed, who are not qualified, who are not who are registered, vote in more than one state, and also to identify and contract with the provider of a private sector data system to identify voters. Okay, so here's where it's the replacement comes in. This is the this is the language it talks about. Well, if you're going to leave Eric, you gotta jump into something else. So it's saying that it can contract with a private sector provider for data systems uh, to identify uh, whose addresses have changed with voters, uh, where, who, which voters are registered in more than one state, and which voters are not qualified to vote. Okay, it stipulates a private sector data system under subsection A2 must have demonstrated an ability to work with registered voter identification and matching systems. Uh, and so again, here it just talks about other uh, other things that they need to comply with. And then again, here at the end, it says the Secretary of State may not contract with a private sector data system under subsection A2 unless the system requires a background check for each employee of a potential vendor for the system and uses data from the National Change of Address database. In addition to using a system described by subsection A, the Secretary of State shall use data from the National Change of Address database to identify voters whose addresses have changed for the purpose of preventing duplication of registration in more than one state or jurisdiction. And uh, this act goes into effect on September 1, 2023, uh, barring the governor's signature, of course. Uh, but isn't that exciting, ladies and gentlemen? I'd say that's a little bit of good news to start off the show here, ladies and gentlemen. I'd say that's a little bit of good news indeed. All right, guys, let's get into Harris County. Harris County, Texas, not Harris County, Pennsylvania. Harris County, Texas, and the botched 2022 midterm elections that no one is talking about. You know, it's interesting because you can find some mainstream, lamestream, shamestream local articles on this. 
I actually found a really good article that talks about that really digs into the report that was released by Clifford Tatum and Harris County in regards to their elections. I found it in the weirdest place, in the weirdest website that had absolutely nothing to do with politics. Okay. I was like, why is this even here? Like you got people who want to go learn about flood irrigation and flooding in planes. And there's an article like snuck in there about the fraudulent elections of 2022 in Harris County. Anyways, guys, so uh, if you guys know the story, you guys know the drill. All you have to do is focus on, uh, think about uh, Maricopa County, Arizona in 2022. What happened during those midterms? What did we see taking place on the ground there? You know, did any of you all, I know I never did, did any of you all ever think that you would see voter suppression like that in broad daylight, like out in the open, right? But if they're going to say it wasn't voter suppression, of course, that's what they're saying. You know, and that's why I'm glad we have uh, like the Kerry Lake legal team and the Kerry Lake whistleblowers and everyone who is uh, filling out affidavits, submitting affidavits, uh, individuals who are putting their own safety and livelihood on the lines in order to expose the truth about our institutionally rigged elections in the United States of America. You guys remember the voting machines were not working. Uh, vote centers were opening late. Uh, paper ballots were running out. They had no ballot. It was pretty bad in Houston, Texas. It was pretty bad. You know, where they were running out of paper and uh, telling people to go vote at other places in Maricopa County, Arizona and Houston, Texas, they were just turning them away. And uh, you had election workers who were running out of paper as early as 8.30 or 9 a.m. in the morning. And when they asked to receive more ballot paper, and this is no lie, ladies and gentlemen, some of these precincts that reported running out at 9 a.m. did not receive more ballot paper until 6 p.m., until 5 p.m., until the polls closed and they kept them open an hour later, ladies and gentlemen, it was, it was a shit show, ladies and gentlemen, it was a literal shit show. So because of what happened, and we're going to go over those details again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ref all those details, guys, especially since we had this new report come out. I'm going to refresh all those details so that they are fresh in your mind, ladies and gentlemen. And so that, uh, you know, you can access them or you can share the information. But before we jump into the detail, before we rehash, let's see how the Texas State House going to fix this, ladies and gentlemen. How is the Texas State House going to fix this? That is the big question. And is it even going to be a fix at all, right? Now, the Texas Tribune, right? This is the Texas Tribune, isn't it? Yeah. Again, this is this is the uh, this is the voice of the mockingbird media in Texas, right? I mean, this is one of the big newspapers. The CEO of this of this uh, particular um, paper is big time in Texas, right? You know, the, he he does his uh, he does his keynote speeches uh, here in Texas for media groups. I mean, he's big. The guy who owns this is big. So here's how they're going to paint this story. Now, like I said, the Texas State House, in addition to passing a bill uh, that would um, 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 facilitate the exit of Texas from the Electronic Registration Information Center, uh, passed several laws that uh, deal with specifically Harris County elections. Now, this is where I have a little bit of trouble. This is where I think it's a 
a minute too late and a dime short of a dollar. This is where I think the pantomime of politics continues, okay? And it's because the bill specifically focuses on Harris County. According to state law, you can't do that. According to state law, you cannot single out a single county or a single city. You can't do that. So it makes me wonder what the Texas state legislature is really up to when they pass this bill, because it's going to get it's going to get appealed. It's I mean, they're going to they're going to try and quash it, you know, because it's it's against Texas law. Anyways, let's see what this has to say. It says Harris County elections face state intervention under new Texas voting laws. Okay. New Texas voting laws. The Texas Republicans, it says here, have muscled through legislation allowing unprecedented state interventions into elections in Harris County, the most populous county in Texas, threatening to drastically overhaul elections in the Democrat stronghold. The bill's targeting um, Harris, which would eliminate its chief elections official and allow state officials to intervene and supervise the county's elections in response to administrative complaints are headed to the governor's desks. Uh, lawmakers say they're responding to repeated election issues in Harris County, which includes the city of Houston. The county, for its part, has signaled it will challenge the bid to remove its elections administrator and is portraying the bills as a partisan power grab and the latest in a series of legislative moves by Texas Republicans to tighten access to the ballot in the wake of the 2020 presidential. This is ridiculous. Oh, we want a voter ID. Yeah, that's definitely going to tighten ballot access, right? We It's going to tighten fraudulent ballot access. It's going to make it harder for people to uh, act, uh, commit fraud by inserting uh, who knows how many thousands or hundreds or dozens of frauds. You know, now for the state of Texas, guys, you know, I wish I could say more. I wish I could say beyond a shadow of a doubt that they actually insert fake ballots into our system. Now, we know because we've seen the video that they do inflate the digital numbers. We know they inflate the digital numbers. We've seen the video with the election um, with the election voting machines, just the, the numbers of voters after the polls close. And you get your, your total count of votes skyrocket from like 500 to like 1400. And they're just watching. We played the video here, guys. We know that they inflate the digital number of ballots. Let's call them ballots, not votes. But what I cannot tell you, what I cannot say is that they inflate the fake, uh, the, the actual ballot count with fraudulent or fake or manufactured or counterfeit ballots. I can't say that. I could have said that had the Texas Secretary of State's office actually conducted a forensic audit of the 2020 election, just like Governor Abbott said he was going to do, just like President Trump asked him to do. But, you know, I, you know, aside from myself, I think I've only heard one other outlet even cry foul on that uh, forensic audit. No one even cared about the forensic audit here in Texas. Isn't that crazy? Even Texans didn't seem to care about the forensic audit here in Texas. I was the only one who was covering it at the time. And uh, and when the when the report came out, it was it was all a wash, ladies and gentlemen. They did nothing except their standard limited risk auditing, um, um, limited risk auditing audit <laughs> or risk limiting audit, excuse me. <clears throat> and I said years ago 
The only reason why that's a risk-limiting audit is because it limits the risk of the fraud being found, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't do any uh, digital image ballot, you know, um, um, a lookup. They didn't go through every single ballot. I mean, it was limited. It was a percentage of a race that told them everything was okay. There was nothing forensic about it. They didn't even, they did not even crack open a pallet of ballots to see if they were indeed filled out correctly. They did not even uh, go uh, review all of the chain of custody because they didn't need to do that because they had a risk limiting audit that told them 2% of 1% of the vote was okay. So that means all the other ballots in the state of Texas are okay. And all the other races. Okay. That ladies and gentlemen was a fake forensic audit. It was not a forensic audit by any means, ladies and gentlemen. And we let our Texas state get away with that. Okay. Are we satisfied? Are we satisfied with that is the question. So uh, let's see here. Okay. So uh, what are we looking at again? We're looking at this here. Okay. So it goes on to say some election and policy experts say uh, the move set a bad precedent. Uh, mirror strategies recently used by GOP-led legislators and legislatures in Florida and Georgia to gain control of local elections and could signal state lawmakers' intention to seek control in counties beyond Harris. So uh, the main quip here is that they're afraid the state is coming to take over elections at the county level, right? So, you know, and we're all about having our elections localized, right? We don't need centralized control. We don't need state control. We don't need federal control. So I get it, right? But there's a reason why. There's a reason why the Texas Legislative House has decided to do this. And it's because since they started their election administrator's um, position, the elections have been botched. They have been botched. Okay. It happened in 2021. It happened in 2020. Okay. In Harris County. And uh, that's why, and it's been consistent and there's been patterns. Okay. That's why the Texas House moved to do it this way. What I don't understand, because it used to be the, the language of the bill said um, any county I think it was like with over a million voters, right? Any county with over a million voters with patterns of um, patterns of, uh, of of disruption or patterns of rupture in the flow, uh, you know, like running out of ballot paper. If they're getting a lot of calls from constituents saying something's going on here, right? They could go in and they could observe or commandeer the elections in any county, like over a million people, right? Well, that 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 was amended to be like over three million people. There's only one county in Texas that has that many people, and it's called Harris County, ladies and gentlemen. It's probably more than that. I mean, probably got the number wrong. I'm probably way under, probably being way conservative, right? But anyways, okay, so let's go ahead and read the rest of this. It says here, uh, Senate Bill 1933, authored by State Senator Paul Betancourt, a Harris County Republican, who's never returned a single one of my com uh, uh, queries, ladies and gentlemen. I've, I've, uh, I've messaged that man several times. I've never received one response from him. But anyway, Senator Paul Betancourt, a Harris County Republican, grants the Texas Secretary of State the authority to investigate election irregularities 
after complaints are filed, but only in the counties with more than 4 million people. Okay, so more than 4 million people, right? Which means just Harris County. Okay, why did they have to amend it? Why did they have to amend it to just uh, to counties with more than 4 million people? You know, because you cannot do it against, you cannot single out a county. So I don't know, guys, to me, that move, because it was amended to be more than four million. It was originally a one million people or more. Okay, now it's four million people or more, which means it's only talking about Harris. There's no other county in Texas but Harris. So I feel like this is one of those, you know, those those phantom chess moves, right? It's one of those it's one of those pantomime moves. It's in order to just draw the time out. And then, you know, Harris is obviously Harris has already sued them. Okay, Harris is already sued. We'll get into that in a minute. Harris is already suing the state of Texas again, ladies and gentlemen, because they're being singled out. And it's going to get wrapped up in the courts. And then Texans are going to forget about it because no one pays attention to local news. They're all fixated on McCarthy and Tucker Carlson, you know, instead of talking about Texas, you know, or whatever state they might respectively be. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just talking about the people in general. So anyhow, guys, so that's it. That's a problem there. Anyways, article continues. The office, which until now has had less authority than nearly any other state's chief election authority, will be able to remove a county election administrator or to file a petition to remove an elected county officer overseeing elections, such as a county clerk, if a recurring pattern of problems is not resolved. After the measure goes into effect in September, administrative elections complaints that are filed with the Secretary of State's election division, led by Christina Atkins, can trigger an investigation. Examples of recurring problems that could trigger, could trigger state oversight include malfunctioning of voting machine system equipment that prevents a voter from casting a vote, carelessness or official misconduct in the distribution of election supplies, errors in the uh, tabulation of results that would have affected the outcome of an election, failure to meet deadlines for reporting election results, discovery of properly executed voted ballots after the canvas of an election that were not counted, failure to conduct maintenance activities on the lists of registered votes as required under the Texas Election Code. I would say Harris County in 2022 violated all but maybe one of these. I would say maybe all but one of these. May I think it was this one, discovering ballots that were found after the election. Uh, but we'll see in that report. It'll let us know. So it says state officials must conduct an investigation, but if they find good cause to believe there is a recurring pattern of problems, Adkins then uh, Adkins could then order state oversight of Harris County's elections. The Secretary of State's election division could then have personnel on the ground observing any activities related to election preparation, early voting, election day, and post-election day procedures. Um, if such problems are not resolved, the Secretary of State could then get rid of Harris County election officials, though a second bill passed by Republican Senate Bill 1750 could make that more complex. That bill removes Harris County's election administrator position, reshaping how the county oversees elections. That law goes into effect in September only months before Harris municipal election. It will transfer election duties back to the county clerk and tax assessor collector's office. 
To remove an elected official such as the county clerk, the Secretary of State would have to request the removal, but the final decision would be determined through a jury trial. Last week, uh, Harris County attorney Christian Menefee said the county was preparing to sue the state over the new measures, and they have. Uh, Menefee said the Texas Constitution is clear. The legislature cannot pass laws that target one specific city or one specific county. So you see that you see why that's an issue, because all of the House legislators are they're lawyers, they're lawyers, and they should know the Texas Constitution. So for them to amend that bill and change it from 1 million voters to 4 million voter counties or population counties, ladies and gentlemen, to me, that seems like a calculated move, right? They knew that Harris was going to appeal that or fight it. They knew it was going to get wrapped up in the in litigation. They know it's going to be shot down by a judge. And they know that the Texas voters are going to hurt. They're going to have heard the story that uh, they passed bills to take over elections in Harris, but no one's ever going to hear that the judge shot it down because it's unconstitutional. That story is going to get whitewashed and it's going to get memory hold by all the other stories that they're doing, like Ken Paxton's being impeached, right? So that's, that's what I think is going on here, which means, yeah, the Republicans and the Democrats in the Texas State House, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to make one of these for Dirks, right? But for the time being, we'll do it for the Rhino. Yeah, Republican in name only. I get it. I get it. They're Republican. They're Uniparty. They're establishment. The Dirk. D-I-R-C is a Democrat in Republican clothing. So anyways, that's just a, that's just a little differentiation there, guys, in case you've never heard of that phrase before. D-I-R-C, a Democrat in Republican clothing. It is a close cousin to the rhino, a Republican in name only. They are different, though. Trust me. They are different. Okay. There is a difference between a rhino and a dirk. I promise you there is. Okay, so uh, let's finish up with this uh, article here. Let's see if there's anything else worth uh, getting out of it, guys, because we've got more ground to cover here. Uh, let's see. So, uh, okay, so you know what? Judge, County Judge Lena Hidalgo. Oh, boy. Now, this is someone who has, from time to time, lived rent-free in my head, not for long. But has, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just uh, this is one of the most corrupt judges in this nation. County judge in this nation, ladies and gentlemen. One of the most corrupt judges who has spent millions of Texas taxpayer dollars in order to what? To uh, fight Texas, uh, the state of Texas for their elections, to keep all of their election records hidden and secret and proprietary to keep people from getting access to ballots, to, to anything dealing with elections. And then, of course, uh, crying racism because the big, bad, white legislators are just trying to keep the brown people of Houston poor and unable to vote, right? Cannot stand that woman. Okay, anyways. Uh, 
All right. I think that's all that we're going to pull out of this article here because we got look at. So here's what this says right here. Just before just before we pull out of this article, it says here a recent investigation by the Houston Chronicle. Right. Obviously, it's going to be a, a leftist spit rag, ladies and gentlemen, found that out of the more than seven hundred and eighty two polling locations. Only about 20 ran out of paper. That is a lie. They need to retract that. They need to put it on their front page because that right there is going to influence public opinion. It's going to influence everyone's opinion. Oh, it was only 20 polling places. It was more than that. It was more than 20, guys. We have the report. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't have the physical. We'll get to the report. Don't worry. So yeah, I want to see. And that's what they're print. That's what they're publishing in all of their papers, all of the locals. Oh, we have these 22 sore loser, sour grapes, Republican candidates who didn't win their election. And now they're calling election fraud. Right. And it was only 20 machines, only 20 machines. What are they making a big deal about? Right, man. It is not only 20 machines here. Um, I actually found this article just before I went live and I want, we're going to do a, we're going to do a live dice. I want to see what this article says. Okay. Now this is still in line with the new laws that Texas has passed that are going to attack Harris County. Uh, but I saw this article in, in the search and I was like, I got to pull it up. Okay. And let's just see what she says. Okay. Because the title of it is How New Texas Legislation Attacks Black Voters in the Houston Area. <laughs> let's see what she has to say, America. I mean, let's see. Do you think we can debunk this live on the air? Let's see if we can debunk this live on the air. I don't know. We haven't debunked things live on the air in a minute. Let's do it. Okay, so it says that uh, Texas Republicans appear to be making another power grab in a trend of white GOP controlled legislative bodies seizing authority from heavily Democrat cities of color. And it's happening in Missouri. And it's happening in Missouri, where state Republicans want to oversee criminal prosecutions and law enforcement in St. Louis and in Mississippi, where the GOP enacted legislation to overhaul the police and court system in Jackson unilaterally. What does that have to do with voting? <laughs> It says here uh, in March, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott's education commissioner announced a state takeover of Houston's public school district. What are we? What was? What, 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 okay. Uh, this is what happens when you cold read. Okay, so it's a pair of voting bills recently passed the GOP controlled state legislature and now sits on Abbott's desk. Once he signs them, these targeted measures will position Republicans to eliminate the Harris County Chief's election official and grant state officials authority over election. You see how they're making this racist? And uh, yeah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Clifford Tatum, Harris County Elections Administrator, is a black American. Okay, so I'm surprised they didn't throw that in there, right? It says uh, election bills designed to target Harris County in a party line vote on May 26th. The Texas House passed SB 1750 after it cleared the Senate. The bill would require counties with a population of over 3.5 million, only Harris County is at large, to eliminate the position of elections administrator and revert election responsibilities to the uh, responsibilities to the elected county clerk and tax assessor. Uh, conservative lawmakers followed that with passage of SB 1933, which would grant the office of the Secretary of State and Abbott appointee oversight of county elections office if there are complaints about voting irregularities and to petition a court to replace the top election officials when deemed necessary. 
Um, GOP State Senator Paul Betancourt, the main sponsor of the bills, has argued that the new election laws targeting Harris County fix problems, uh, recurring problems in last year's primary and general elections. But we want accountability for now. So, uh, okay, where is the, uh, okay, it is sent, okay, so opponents of this, these bills say it essentially takes us back to the 1940s and 50s to the Jim Crow era, right? Because everyone knows that if you are a colored person and you try and go and get an ID or a driver's license, they're going to beat you with sticks until you get out of that public office. <laughs> everyone knows if you're a person of color, you can't read street signs and you probably don't have a smartphone with GPS to find the DMV. Okay, that's you... You know what? These opponents of these bills, they're the racists, okay? They're the ones that are undermining minorities and people of color. They're the ones who are looking down on us and making us sound like we can't do crap for ourselves, guys. It says here, Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis says it's an act of intimidation, right? Now, might I add that in addition to the county court, lunatic Hidalgo, I mean, Lena Hidalgo, that uh, the county court commissioners are also just as corrupt and they finally got their Democrat uh, stronghold. I mean, they're all Democrat now. They had one conservative commissioner. And he's out now. OK, he's gone. He's gone as of 2022. Uh, Ellis said Republicans want to claim the political power it once had in Harris County, which has 4.8 million residents and one of the most diverse populations across the nation. Harris County's political landscape shifted dramatically to the left over the past two decades, making it solidly Democrat, according to data analyzed by the University of Houston's Hobby School of Public Affairs. That's why I wanted to do a little retrospect. That's going to be within the last 20 years on Harris County, guys. Uh, just just, just some ideas, you know, something, something, some stories you might have heard before, but it always, it always helps to hear them again. According to Ellis, the article says the GOP has been methodically clawing its way back into power in Harris County. For example, before passing the two bills, Republicans ended straight ticket voting because they believed it harmed conservative candidates. Straight ticket voting allows voters to choose all of a party's candidates with just a single ballot mark. Uh, Republican lawmakers voted in 2017 to scrap that option. It's no wonder. Uh, Stephen Haig, a retired Austin Community College government professor, told Houston Public Media that Democrats relied more on straight ticket voting to win elections than Republicans, and its elimination significantly impacted election success for Democrats in minority precincts in large urban counties. Uh, let's see here. So and it talks about the... Um, so, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even tell them how it goes back to the 1940. Ah, it's Sheila Jackson Lee. It's Sheila Jackson Lee. It's Pedo Jackson Lee. How dare you? How dare you call me a pedophile? I do not love boys. I just have sex with them. Right. Anyways, Pedo Jackson Lee. Oh, guys, God, I'm sorry, guys. If you guys have not been a member of this audience, you don't know what I'm talking about. I apologize. <laughs> Everyone's seen this woman's little boy lover rings and jewelry. Okay, anyways. Yeah, this is the one that we're talking about here for 20 years, guys. This one right here, Sheila Jackson Lee. She's been behind. You guys are going to see. You guys are going to see. They've been doing it in Houston forever. She's been a member of the uh, the U.S. Congress uh, representing downtown Houston for like what two decades or for three decades since the 90s guys since the 90s okay and 
this woman is no stranger to election fraud. Okay, we'll talk about it in a minute. Okay, so let's hop on to the next one. That article was so, that was such a letdown. I didn't even get into the specifics of how these bills take you back to Jim Crow laws. Really? Okay, anyway. Did Jim Crow say the state has the right to take the, uh, the elections away from the election, the county election administrator? Oh, maybe if they're color, right? Is that what that is? Anyways, speaking of someone that you might want to call Jim Crow just by looking at him, right? Just kidding, guys. This is actually a very honorable man. I don't know him personally, but for the fact that this man was fighting for um, for truth in elections in Harris County, Texas, for the fact that this man actually sued Harris County to get information about the botched elections when people like Lena Hidalgo, the radical leftist county judge, was uh, doing everything in her power and spending as much uh, of Texas taxpayers money to fight his inquiries. I'm going to say this is an honorable man, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Mattress Mac Mickingvale of Houston, Texas. He is a local Houston, Texas business owner. And uh, Mr. Mickingvale, um, well, he had some qualms about what happened on um, um, Election Day 2022 in his county. And so what Mr. Mickingvale did, in addition to suing Harris County, and Lena Hidalgo, he hired this man, a man by the name of Wayne Dulcifino, to do some investigation. Uh, he has a consulting firm in Houston, Texas. In fact, I would, uh, in fact, I would recommend to any shows or broadcasts out there who happen to catch this broadcast, get this man on your show. If you have a bigger reach, I mean, obviously, many, a lot of people have a bigger reach than I do at this point, but that's fine. If you have a bigger reach, get him on your show. He's going to talk to you about. Uh, what happened in Harris County. Now, in addition to doing some investigation and research, Mr. Dolcefino also has some videos. So I'm going to share these videos. I, I, I just found these last night and I was like, oh, these are amazing. My audience is going to love these. They sum it up and he does, he sums it up way better than I have in the last hour and 20 minutes. Okay, so the first video we're going to watch from Mr. Dulcefino, and uh, the name of his business is Dulcefino Consulting. Uh, the title of the video is The Lena Hidalgo Latest Meltdown. Shocking new internal Harris County election records show voters at more than 115 locations were turned away. Okay, more than 115 locations were turned away when they tried to vote last November. More than 60 precinct judges, both Democrat and Republican, are saying they ran out of ballot paper. That's a lot more than previously reported, and it's maybe why Harris County Judge Lunatic Hidalgo is melting down. Let's take a look at this video. Let me see. Do I got this uh, set up for sound here, guys? Okay. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. And this is really going to give you, it's really going to show you guys the scope of what is happening. I got two Dulcefino videos I want to share with you, but we're going to start with this one because this one is the latest one that he released. And it's right riding on the heels of what Lena, Lena Hidalgo is attempting to do, again, using Texas taxpayer money to hide the con in uh, Houston, Texas, let's take a look. Here we go.
This is breaking news. Our chief executive is having another one of those mental meltdowns. These folks are trying to brute force their way into power. And not only are we going to call them out on it, but I am convinced in the long run, and I hope they're hearing me, it is going to be your undoing. The Texas legislature voted to return elections in Harris County to elected officials, and Lena Hidalgo thinks that's like murder. And what they seem not to realize is that it's not just a murder plot against residents in Harris County. It's a murder-suicide plot that conspires against residents in all of Texas. And she desperately plays the race card. They've decided that they want to not only abolish our elections administrator, but they want the ability to remove two black women elected officials. In fact, the new law replaces appointed bureaucrat Clifford Tatum with those two Democratic elected officials. Their skin color should be irrelevant enough. So why is Lena Hidalgo really freaking out? Why is she willing to spend your tax money to sue the state again just to keep Clifford Tatum in his job? A guy hired just a year ago, despite his history of botching elections in previous places. I want our residents to know what's happening. No, you don't. You're spending tax money to keep November election records a secret from voters and taxpayers. Mattress Mac and I had to file a lawsuit months ago seeking simple sunshine. This shows me without doubt that uh, somebody planned this. The probability uh, is too small that this was done by coincidence. Post-election maps showed ballot paper problems affected mostly polls where Republicans usually prevail. Weeks after the election, Clifford Tatum issued a 25-page report saying his ballot paper investigation after that election was, well, inconclusive. We found when 121 polls opened on election day, they did not get enough ballot paper. If you're a Democrat, you didn't like the KOJU investigation that cites more than 120 locations that were undersupplied with ballot paper, while millions of ballot sheets were available in a warehouse. And if you are a Republican, you likely think Houston Chronicle's Jen Rice was covering for Tatum when she wrote in April, the Chronicle had decided only 20 locations actually ran out of paper, and who really knows if those people couldn't just find another place to vote. The Democratic Party used that story to attack. But until now, you've never seen this. Betcha the Chronicle hasn't either. A document detailing the actual reports from precinct judges and alternate judges at the 782 polling locations. And yes, they're both Democrats and Republicans. What we see will only fuel the calls for a brand new election. There was consensus that dozens of polls ran out of paper. Precinct judges cited 62 polling locations that ran out, some for just minutes, some for hours. Because we ran out of the paper and there were people that were not able to vote, including my son who came after work. Um, they, they were not able to vote. I could not vote. So I was extremely disappointed. But it's not just ballot paper problems. Election judges reported 119 polls, nearly 15%, that didn't open up on time on election morning. 
Late in the day, a district judge ordered that polls stay open until 8 p.m. But a lot of election judges either didn't get the message or didn't care when they did. 64 polls closed at 7 p.m., even after the judge's order. This information didn't come from us. It came straight from the top folks who were running the polls. And it should force Judge Adago to release all remaining public records. If she won't join us in truly wanting election integrity, election fairness, it's time she looks for a, another gig. Lena Hidalgo should have told you all this months ago. Maybe if she had, there wouldn't have been a need for more checks and balances. It's absolutely, to me, I, I mean, distasteful is an understatement. We think what you're doing is distasteful. What else are you hiding, Hidalgo? Alrighty, guys, so pretty good video, huh? I got one more from Dulcifino Consulting to share with you guys in a minute, but let's take a look at this write-up I found on this report. Now, as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, I found this amazing article, uh, which uh, contains the information uh, that, uh, reflective of the video that we just watched on the strangest of websites. It was on a website called um, reduceflooding.com, and it's all about flooding and irrigation systems. I mean, literally, if you go to that website, it that's all it's about. Photographs of big old tracts of land and, and bulldozing and, and I don't know what the heck. So why this article was there i'm still trying to figure it out i don't really care though i'm just happy it was so let's take a look at it and it's really going to jump into it's going to talk about this report that uh, was mentioned in mr dulcifino's video there uh the one that no one seems to know about have heard about or pay attention to newly obtained harris county reports raised serious 2022 elections concerns. It says Harris County reports obtained by investigative journalist Wayne Dulcifino and shared with ReduceFlooding.com raise serious questions about the integrity of the 2022 election. A video released by Dulcifino on 6-1-23 summarized some of the problems. More than 100 polling locations turned people away. 119 polling locations did not open on time. 64 polling locations closed early. 62 polling locations ran out of ballot paper. The release of these documents details a horrific story of incompetence, said Dulcifino. And that was in an election where just two votes per hour per precinct could have changed the outcome. Okay, do you guys catch that again? Um, Wayne Delcefino said the release of these documents details a horrific story of incompetence, and that was in an election where just two votes per hour per precinct could have changed the outcome. Dulcifino and Jim Mattress Mac Mickingvale filed a lawsuit months ago to force transparency in Election Day communications after Judge Hidalgo and County Attorney Christian Menefee denied them the right to see public records relating to the election.
However, two spreadsheets that Dulcifino did obtain from Harris County detail issues reported by election judges and alternate ju alternate judges at all 783 polling locations. <clears throat> oh, pardon me. It goes on to say, uh, the survey of judge and alternate pro alternates produces a chilling picture of election day chaos. The surveys were evidently conducted by the Harris County Election Administrator's Office. Why the county released these particular documents but denied others is a mystery. Additional analysis reveals more concerns. Regardless, additional analysis of the surveys revealed even more problems. They are widespread and affect both Democrats and Republicans. I found that 40% encountered one or more problems serious enough to discourage voting. Surveys of precinct judges and alternates. Uh, to arrive at the percentage, I combined responses from both surveys. Then I subtracted all precincts where the judges reported no problems or problems not serious enough to cause people to leave in frustration. That left 631 responses out of a total of 1,566. The most common problems included malfunctioning technology that could have been contributed to long wait times. Uh, that could have contributed to long wait times. Even though many locations ran out, paper, others reported having far too much. Some precincts shared ballot paper. Others were told they could not share. Two-thirds of the judges and alternate judges reported ballot paper shortages where were Republicans. That is 88 out of 130 judges. Okay, so two-thirds of the judges and alternate judges reporting ballot paper shortages were Republicans. That's 88 out of the 130 reported. Isn't that crazy, guys? It says here, survey comments reveal causes of chaos. Diving down into the explanatory comments provided a more detailed image of what many might describe as chaos. Judges and alternates reported, turning away as many as 200 voters, running out of paper for eight hours, then getting a delivery 10 minutes before the polls closed, or even after the poll closed, being put on hold for hours when requesting more paper, having to shut down the polling place because of lack of paper, some locations loaned extra paper to other locations, but others said they were not allowed to share surplus paper, long lines, machines breaking down and not being replaced despite multiple requests, paper jams, scanners shredding ballots, not enough scanners and scanners not working at many locations, being short-staffed, unqualified combative workers with behavioral issues who were hostile to voters, not getting through on time on the helpline, poor training that left workers unprepared. One election had only six parking spots. Oh, sorry. One location only had six parking spots for voters. Ballots printing twice. No clerks, no keys to turn on systems. No one told them to set up the night before. No signs identifying the polling location as a polling location. Not receiving the notice of the court order to stay open an extra hour until after the location had already shut down. The court order resulted from many locations opening late because of the other issues cited above. 
Overall, both Democrat and Republican judges and alternate judges reported so many problems that they often could not get through to the election administrator's office to ask for help. Some were put on hold for hours. Although Republican judges experienced more ballot paper shortages, overall Democrats were as likely to cite serious problems when considering all issues. Uncertain impact of most common problems. The most common problems included malfunctioning technology, late opening, early closing, ballot paper shortage, and not getting help in a timely way. They all added up to long lines and delays that can discourage people from voting. No one knows exactly how many voters were turned away when machines broke down for hours, left in frustration after waiting in long lines that did not move, showed up at polling places that opened late or closed early, voted at an alternate location, or just gave up and did not vote complaints about the workers. Another spreadsheet obtained from a separate source reviewed the performance of election personnel. It noted problems such as refusing to process voters during the court-ordered additional hour of voting, leaving the location without reporting numbers, sexual harassment, flirting, sleeping on the job, not offering voters provisional ballots, making racist comments, rude, disrespectful behavior, threatening to blow people up insight there was probably someone that was like i'm gonna blow you up dude i'm gonna blow get out of my face i don't got no provisional ballot we've been closed for an hour i'm gonna blow you up man anyways inside of experienced poll judge i, I didn't even need to do that anyways okay <laughs> it says, i asked one of the most experienced poll judges in harris county to put these problems in perspective Compared to previous elections, she rated the 2022 election much more problematic. Elections happen infrequently and therefore are staffed by large numbers of volunteers. But this year, she said the county supplemented the volunteers with laborers hired from temp agencies, introduced complicated new technology, allowed online training, which is less effective, eliminated many checks and balances, hired a new election administrator unfamiliar with the area just months before the election. It all added up to too much change and too little time, a problem common to other Harris County departments. You can't make this complicated, she emphasized, but the county did exactly that. Unanswered questions. The poll judge above also raised other questions not addressed by the newly released documents. For instance, provisional voting. Provisional balloting, which happened during the extra hour between 7 and 8 p.m., takes a lot of time and requires special training and supplies. She suspected many polling places were not equipped to handle it. She also said provisional voting drives voters away because they are told their vote might not count. The election reconciliation report on harrisvotes.com shows that during normal hours, people voted at a rate of more than 91,000 per hour. But during that extra hour, only 6,302 provisional ballots were submitted and only 4,333 were counted. The voting rate fell off by more than 20 times. Did people just not hear about the extra hour? Had they already voted or were they deterred by the process? And why were there thousands disqualified? We'll never know.
paper shortages. Other questions. Did the ballot paper shortage relate to the length of the ballot? Were some precincts intentionally shortchanged? Or did untrained people picking up distributing the paper just not know how much they needed? Again, we'll never know. But thousands of people waited in long lines while millions of sheets of ballot paper sat in a warehouse. Mail-in. Finally, what about mail-in ballots? We have no information about those except for the county's reconciliation report. I know some people who requested mail-in ballots but never received them. Were they lost in the post office or never mailed? The reported numbers don't even add up. Approximately 81,000 ballots were sent out. 26,000 were not returned by the voter or, or surrendered, returned when people decided to vote in person instead. That should leave about 55,000 people who voted by mail. But the county reported 64,259 who voted by mail. And of those, 2,672 were rejected for unknown reason. Only 61,264 went into the official count. That's a lot of unexplained rejections. But explanations will not be forthcoming anytime soon. Judge Hidalgo and Christian Menifee are fighting to keep election information secret. Legislative changes to elections office? Not. New Harris County Interim Administrator Diana Ramirez is reportedly considering restructuring the entire county government to expand equity. That includes implementing new elections mandates for Harris County. For instance, SB 1750 would abolish the Office of Elections Administrator in Harris County. The bill would transfer election functions back to the county clerk and tax assessor collector. SB 1750 has passed both houses and awaits the governor's signature. Ramirez's office is already planning the transition. One scenario under consideration is simply having Cliff Tatum, the current election administrator, report to the clerk. It would appear that Harris County is stuck with Tatum and his team for now. Is County Judge Lunatic Hidalgo considering keeping Tatum to keep a lid on more damning revelations about the 2022 elections? That's another question we will likely never know the answer to as Hidalgo fights with taxpayer dollars to keep her emails regarding election problems a secret. 1% versus 40%. The record shows that Lena Hidalgo beat Alexandra Miller in 2022 by 50.82% to 49.15%. The difference was a margin of 18,183 votes or a little more than 1% when 40% of the polling places experienced problems. Just 23 ballots per precinct, two per hour, could have resulted in a different outcome. Considering the sentiments of voters I interviewed at Foster Elementary in Kingwood, it's not hard to imagine three votes per hour dropping out of the line while waiting in the hot sun. Those frustrations could have easily made a difference in the outcome. And that does not even include the drop-off in voting during the provisional hour or the huge amount of mail-in ballots that were not returned or disqualified. More than 22,000. 
but it looks like we'll have Hidalgo for another four years. Her management skills have left their mark on one Harris County department after another. For instance, flood control has had four leaders in two years, and that's why you're reading about an election in a flood blog. Oh, he answered my question. <laughs> Well, God bless you, sir, for answering my question. Okay. <laughs> I clearly didn't get that far down into the article, right? So that is why, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so now I can stop wondering. That was my big question for the day, right? Of all the things I have to wonder about, I was wondering why an election report was appearing in us. It was appearing in a blog about flooding and uh, controlling flooding. Anyways, okay. What do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about that, ladies and gentlemen? All of that data, all of that information, you know, what they're trying to say is that it was not enough to change the outcome of the election. But when you look at it like statistically and with those types of values and numbers, it really makes you ask the question, right? Can we get an audit? Can we get an investigation? Can we make it forensic? Can we have access to the paper ballots and the digital ballot images? Can we compare them? Can we see all? And can we see those uh, records of communications also? You know, what, what type of emails were going back and forth between County Judge Lunatic Hidalgo and Clifford Tatum, elections administrator, or anyone for that matter, in regard to what was happening in Houston? in Harris County, Texas, guys. All right, so I'm gonna show you guys now the next uh, Wayne Dulcifino video. And that's pretty that's pretty crazy information, guys, that we just got there. Don't worry, I'll clip all this stuff out. So this way, if you wanna share it, you can do it that, that way. Or, you know, just uh, post about it on your social media. Hey, have you heard about Harris County? <laughs> Did you hear about the botched election in Houston, Texas, that they're still, you know, actually, Actually, as far as the 22 candidates, and we'll go through that in just a sec, the 22 candidates are supposed to be in court either this month or next month. So we'll see what happens. But uh, this this video from Dulcifino um, Consulting uh, talks about the botched 2022 election, obviously in Harris County, but with some eyewitness, in other words, uh, well, I don't know if you would call them whistleblowers, eyewitnesses, right? eyewitnesses. So let's take a let's take a look at it. It's another uh this one's a little bit longer. It's just under 10 minutes, but it's great information. Again, if you are a broadcast that is interested in election fraud stories, I would highly recommend getting this man. I don't know him, but I would I would I mean based on the information he's giving us and the quality of his videos, I'd say get him on your show. You know, anyways, okay. All right, let's go ahead and check it out, guys. As we battle over election fairness and election integrity, we should all remember that working the polls on election day is for some a family tradition. I love the people. I love helping the people. And last November, Cynthia DeCommon wanted to follow in her dad's footsteps. He just turned 82, so at his 82nd birthday, they acknowledged like he had been working for the voting for like, I don't know, 20, 25 years. But instead of civic pride after it was over, Cynthia became an eyewitness to an absolute disaster on election day. I felt horrible. I felt bad for the people because I was like, this isn't fair. 
Cynthia was the alternate precinct judge at Precinct 10, the Baker Ripley Center on Navigation Boulevard. Last night, we spoke to plenty of frustrated voters who tried to cast their ballots but weren't able to do so because of legal issues surrounding the polls being open for an extra hour. At 5 o'clock on Election Day, the Texas Organizing Project had rushed into court to get Judge Dawn Rogers to order an extra hour of voting and they highlighted the voting problems at Baker Ripley. She says when she heard there was an extra hour last night, she thought it was a sign and got down here to Baker Ripley, but things didn't go as planned. Lawyers had already secured multiple written declarations from voters angry at delays and openings at five polls, including two of the three Baker Ripley voting locations. The folks at top must be pretty prepared for a polling crisis like that. There was a sworn affidavit from a top organizer who just happened to choose Baker Ripley to watch morning voters. A fortunate choice considering there were 782 separate polling locations. Yes, yeah, so we understand that there was a miscommunication between the judge and our staff in getting supplies here. That's what Clifford Tatum told KHOU on Election Day after the TV camera showed up at the Ripley house to find out what the heck was going wrong on Election Day. So we're assessing what's actually going on here. I'm, we're not sure, so I, I don't want to speculate. Since then, our appointed election boss, your county attorney, and the Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo have put up a wall of secrecy about Election Day problems. They have even sued the state to keep election communications a secret. County Judge, will you talk to us about the election records, please, and the public records request? Shine a light on what happened on election uh, night in Harris County, and if, if it's all good, great. If it's uh, a problem, let's address it. Let's hold people accountable. Ever since Mattress Mac asked us to investigate, one of our missions was to find the people who ran Precinct 10 that day. Some folks think what happened at Baker Ripley that day was no accident. That's why we went looking for Cynthia. She was the second in command that day. How do I describe it? Um... To me, it was, it, it was a disgrace. And this will only fuel allegations the Baker-Ripley voting disaster was not an accident, but pre-planned to help Democrats gain a last-hour advantage or have an election day challenge if they lost. You think it happened on purpose? I believe it did. If it continues to repeat itself, it's speaking volume right there. Cynthia says she arrived at 6.30 that morning. Yes. You've never been there before? No. Never been there before. Knew nothing about it. Knew nothing about it. Okay. The door to the polling location was locked. When Cynthia finally found a way back in, she found that nothing was set up. Not one of the 18 voting machines. Well, apparently they were supposed to set it up the day before, is, you know, what the ladies told me. They should have done this at 5.30 the day before. And we walked in at 6.30 and there was nothing set up. And people were in line. Since the election, you've heard Clifford Tatum try to blame the Astros championship parade as some kind of an excuse why some polls weren't set up. Tatum's office won't tell us if that's the story we're supposed to believe about Baker Ripley. People were in line already. Yeah, yeah. And there was nothing set up. Nothing set up. And who was there? It was you? It was me and the gentleman that was selected as a judge. And we had no workers, no workers.
I felt horrible, but I knew it was my job as a citizen to get that place going because how would I feel if if I couldn't vote? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cynthia says the technician didn't even know how to set up the voting machines. We were all like calling people on the phone because like, hey, we need help. And every time we called the Harris County line, it was busy. We never got through to anybody. A call to a friend at another poll helped get another technician there who knew how to set up the machines. By then, it was 9.30 a.m. He helped her to set a couple of them up and just gave her, like, example how to do it. And then he left. And he, he's the one that had the key that was supposed to turn on every single one so the voting process could begin. Cynthia says the polls finally opened up at 11.30 that morning, but still no election volunteers to help. We have no workers. We have no one to help us run all this. And that's why the people were even more angry. Volunteers didn't arrive until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Cynthia was told not to bother with swearing in any of the workers. And then that's when I heard later on down the road, that some places didn't have enough paper. That was never a problem at Baker Ripley. In fact, just an hour before the emergency court hearing, a huge resupply of ballot paper showed up at Baker Ripley. And I said to the judge, did you order this extra paper? He said, no. I said, I didn't request it or order it. I said, we have more than enough paper. You notice we said Cynthia was second in command that day. One of the few records Clifford Tatum would allow us to see was a list of precinct judges. For Precinct 10, it was a guy named John Ether. Quoting, I was the election judge on that day of madness, he emailed us. He would not agree to talk to us by phone. Tatum's office confirms that John Ether had never worked at an election day poll before, even as a volunteer which could explain what Cynthia told us. The gentleman, the judge, didn't know anything either. I mean, he, he I thank God that I worked the, the early voting. A transcript of that emergency hearing late on election day shows county lawyers tried to downplay ballot paper problems. And since the election, Democrats have tried to even dispute the maps, proving that ballot shortages happened in mostly Republican strongholds. Thousands of voters were turned away. This is real voter suppression. How does this happen? How do you run out of paper? I asked elections administrator Tatum if there was an uh, issue with the supply, with the vendor rather, and he said, no, we had ample supply. The Harris County Democratic Party has tried to force KHOU to retract their investigation that helped expose the ballot shortages, saying it's part of right-wing extremism. The county attorney has even made it a racial issue, New York Times, quoting, as a black man whose grandfather paid a poll tax, the whole ordeal is infuriating. It's a complete misuse of the word disenfranchisement from people who, by the way, are still working to disenfranchise folks. Cynthia calls the ballot shortages disgusting and applauds the lawsuit Mac and I filed to get election communications made public. Your tax dollars are now being used to fight the truth. The truth needs to come out and those papers need to be released. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. What happened at Baker Ripley demands more complete answers from Clifford Tatum, answers he so far has refused to give us. On election morning, a lawyer at the Secretary of State's office at 9.05 a.m. 
reported complaints to Tatum about three different polling locations that had opened late. Tatum responded an hour later at 10.08, quoting, We have addressed all late openings and everyone should be online. That wasn't true. Baker Ripley didn't open until after 11.30 a.m. Tatum refused to produce his email communications with the Secretary of State, but we're getting them from another source. But what happened at Baker Ripley wasn't just miscommunication. It was a disaster. And it won't help the perception from some Republicans that the fix was in when we tell you that Baker Ripley has received $164 million in government contracts from Harris County since Lena Hidalgo took office. Maybe it's just another coincidence, like the maps that seem to show ballot paper shortages were almost all in traditional Republican strongholds. But lawmakers in Austin, they're not waiting, inching closer to a law that would require an elected public official to run our voting again. Each election seems to bring a new and bigger disaster than the last. Okay. All right, guys. Sorry about that. What? What? I'm hearing noises. Hold on.
Alright, sorry about that guys. My entire system froze up. It happens sometimes. That is the magic of live broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. Probably someone was like, get that information off the screen. That was weird. Anyways, guys, thanks for hanging in there while I fix that real quick. I hope I fixed that in a timely fashion. Okay, uh, all right, guys. Oh, man, what stories to share with you guys today, huh? Anyways, y'all. So uh, those are pretty, that's some pretty interesting information that we got coming out of Dolcefino Consulting. Mm, excuse me. And doesn't it give us a bigger perspective of what happened in Harris County, Texas in t the 2022 midterms? Does it not give us a much clearer perspective, right? I mean, this story should be right up there with Maricopa County. But the unfortunate truth is that, you know, um, the vote fraud in Texas has not been as... Um, Shall I? I mean, I would say headline worthy. I think any election fraud news is always headline worthy, but whether or not the shame, the mainstream, lamestream, shame stream will put it in their papers and on their reports is an entirely different question. Hey, the diligent, what's going on? I totally agree with you. Diligent says bullshit gate 3.0, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Indeed. Bullshit gate 3.0. I mean, it's the same obfuscation every single time. Okay, guys. So where does that leave us? Man, we are at the two hour mark. Well, you know what? We talked about what happened in Harris County. Uh, we talked about some of the new laws. That I think we'll do nothing, honestly, when it comes to um, when it comes to what happened in, when it comes to our elections in general here in the state of Texas. Uh, why don't we wrap up on this note? Now, you know, in the halls of swamp creatures, ladies and gentlemen, when we're talking about the traitors to this nation, right? Uh, we're talking about the bad guys. Uh, there are a lot of swamp creatures out there that we can identify, right? I mean, we talk about people like Hillary Clinton, you know, Barack Obama, a name any swamp creature. We've had some new swamp creatures, Nancy Pelosi. We've had some new swamp creatures, right? That have kind of like come from, come at us from the local level, like, you know, Katie Hobbs, right? Like uh, Fetterman, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Brian Kemp, right? The list goes on and on. So, you know, it's always a fun thing, I guess, to identify another swamp creature, another traitor to the nation. Right. In that, in this case, ladies and gentlemen, it would be Lena Hidalgo. Okay. Now I want you to look at this photograph very closely. Okay. Keep in mind, Lena Hidalgo is a an activist leftist judge who has taken over Harris County, who has total control over the commissioner's court who has control over who runs elections in her county. In fact, the very first county administrator that she ever hired in 2022 ran for city mayor. Okay. So, uh, you know, I see the workings of a criminal syndicate if it's not there already, ladies and gentlemen, at least in, uh, at least in, in uh, form. But uh, you know who else ran for mayor? in uh, 20, uh, no, who's considering running for mayor. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know that she did, but she's considering. 
is that beast standing right next to Lena Hidalgo. Do you see her? Do you recognize that face? Huh? Do you guys remember that woman's name? Miss Sheila Jackson Lee. How dare you? How dare you say I make love to the boy? Okay, anyways. Okay, so <laughs> you guys got to see that Lone Star State News episode. That one goes back a while. So, I mean, uh, we're going we're gonna to close on this real quick with Lena Hidalgo. I'm just going to show you some headlines. And then I want to give you guys a little bit of history with election fraud in Houston. It's not an in-depth look. It's not, it's not like uh it's not like a huge report or anything like that. Nothing to write home about, but it's something worth noting. So, like uh Mr. Dulcefino's videos were showing, ladies and gentlemen, uh were talking about how Lena Hidalgo has used millions of dollars of taxpayer money in Texas in order to hide her emails, hide election records, to stop the state from coming in and looking at what they're doing. Uh, just some headlines that corroborate that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is from the Texan. Harris County sues Attorney General Paxton to block release of public election records. You wonder why he's being impeached, right? Uh, here's another one. What do we got? Yeah, this one says the fight is far from over. Harris County Judge Lunatic Hidalgo blasts Texas re uh, legislators over election reform bill. And that one's more recent. Uh, we had this one. Is this another one? Yeah, all these are going to go. Yeah, Judge Lena Hidalgo is hiding more election records. Actually, why don't we take a look at this one? Okay, let's take a look at this one. This one was just published at the end of last month. So I'm curious. I don't know about you guys, but I'm curious to know what on earth is uh, she hiding? more of in regards to election records. Uh, now, this article comes out of the Montgomery County Police Reporter. And uh, let's see here. Actually, let me close this little thing here. Is it this little button here? Go away. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so it goes this way. Uh, it says Harris County Judge a Lunatic Hidalgo, well, you know, Lunatic Hidalgo, right? I was introduced to the uh, the pet name by a member of my audience and it's stuck, right? Harris County Judge Lunatic Hidalgo continues her illegal blackout on all public information requests Dulcefino Consulting has made to examine what happened on election night in November 2022. The latest refusal involves our request to see videos from surveillance cameras at election headquarters at NRG. The veil of secrecy comes in defiance of multiple rulings by the Texas Attorney General. The latest involves the AG telling Harris County they must release details of complaints received by the county from angry voters. Harris County has withheld some of those complaints. There are widespread allegations of Republican voter suppression. Harris County is already suing the attorney general's office in a plot to hide crucial records of an election riddled with problems, including emails and phone records of the appointed elections administrator. Almost every major race in Harris County is being contested. Dulcefino Consulting is planning to intervene in the lawsuit along with at least one Houston television station. The legal fight continues as Texas lawmakers try to stop Harris County secrecy in its tracks. Wayne Dulcefino spoke to the Senate Business and Commerce Committee this week in Austin about a bill by Senator Paul Betancourt to try and fix the outrageous mess that the fight for open records has turned into.
There are people in government at all levels who have forgotten what the word good faith means, Dulcifino said. Good faith means we're going to give it to you unless there's a really good reason, Senator, that we can't. Wayne held a news conference this week with Jim Mattress Mac Mickingvale to press Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxton to get involved to pressure government agencies to follow the law. They have been conspicuously quiet as we fight the county attorney. And ladies and gentlemen, you'll note this is six months or more after the fact. Okay. Now, back in December of 2022, you had uh, uh, Governor Abbott and A.G. Paxton both calling for investigations. In fact, you even had the George Soros-funded Kim Og, the Harris County District Attorney, one of his first, who actually had to submit a file for an investigation. She had to, because the way that the Texas law is written, she had no recourse but to open investigation. But after that, guys, we heard nothing, okay? After that, nothing. After that, nothing. In fact, the Texas Secretaries of State office actually covered for it. Okay, let me just pull you this article so you know that I'm not lying to you. I know you guys know I don't lie to you, but just let me let me just pull this article for you real quick, okay? And then we'll, we'll finish this one, and I got one more story to share with you, and uh, we'll call today's Texas episode of the C-Report Adia. We'll call it an end. Okay. Uh, this one had a video. We're not going to watch the video. Okay. So let's do, let's do the, let's do the script. Okay. So, uh, uh, this one. Okay. Check this out. This was the Texas secretary of state's response to what happened in Harris County in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Now, as I've shared with some of you guys, the uh, Texas Secretaries of State office, what they have done, this is coming from the Dallas Express, by the way, what they have done is uh, they, uh, well, Jane Nelson, the sixth Secretary of State under Abbott, the only one to be confirmed by the Senate, which was bound to happen because uh, Texas has a broken Secretary of State's office. You know, we've had um, 148 governors. We've had, no, I take it back. Whoa, that was way wrong. We've had 48 governors, okay? We've had 116 secretaries of state. The secretary of state is supposed to serve the same term length as the governor, four years. In the state of Texas, the secretary of state is appointed, never confirmed, and then rides off into the sunset a year or a year and a half, at the most two years after they were appointed by Abbott without being confirmed. Uh, and to me, it's always been to do the con job. It's always been so they can be the face of the fix, ladies and gentlemen, while they have other people in the background, like uh, Joe Esparza, the deputy secretary of state who's been there the entire time, and other individuals who work within the secretary of state's office, I'm learning, uh, individuals like Keith Ingram, and now this new elections division head, Christina Atkins, right? who've been in the office for years. So these people are most likely drafting a lot of this stuff. Like, I believe it was the, the Ingram, Jose Esparza, Atkins team that actually wrote the forensic audit for the state of Texas. Not, not John Scott. Not that Wednesday night yellow rose poll watcher. It wasn't him. 
but he claimed it was him, even though it was written and published before he was even appointed to office. But I guess that's besides the point. Anyways, getting back into what I was saying, when it comes to the elections uh, division of the Secretary of State's office, when it comes to Secretary of State's office themselves, right, themselves, uh, they didn't have much to say about 2022 in Harris County. It was actually quite ridiculous. Look, uh, let me see if I can find the moment here so we don't have to go through the whole thing. Uh, it says here. Oh, so basically what happened is there was an election hearing in Texas not long ago. And in this election hearing, the topic of Harris County came up. Uh, it was the most heated moment of the entire committee hearing. And a lot of people kind of got miffed by it. Now, the individual for the Texas Secretaries of State office, who's in charge of the election division at the time, his name was Keith Ingram. Well, uh, let's see here. This is what he had to say. So uh, Secretary of State John Scott. I, there's a lot of names here, guys. I know I'm saying a lot of names. OK, I, I know I am. Should try and keep up. But John Scott, the former Secretary of State who was uh, in office during the 2022 midterm elections, claimed that numerous Harris County voting locations ran out of ballots and had to turn voters away, while others had, source, uh, had to source ballots from other locations or simply utilize blank ballots from roving elections personnel. Furthermore, Scott alleged certain locations were supplied fewer voting machines than previously, and in multiple instances, the machines failed. Commenting before the elections committee, Keith Ingram stated, I wonder what link that would give me. Oh, it was so. Keith Ingram stated that while Harris County had its challenges, it was one of the best elections we've seen out of Harris County since Stan Stannert was clerk. Stannert was the last Republican to serve as the county clerk, which oversees elections locally. Ladies and gentlemen, do you think based on the information that we saw from the Dulcifino consulting report and uh, from the article from uh, uh, that flooding website, do you think that that sounds like it was, I mean, Stan Stannert had to have run an, in I mean, you know, actually Stan Stannert probably didn't have to run that good of election if Clifford Tatum is being compared to him. And and basically, I guess what Keith Ingram is doing is he's throwing under the bus previous election administrators and he's totally covering for Clifford Tatum. Now, interesting enough, Keith Ingram was head of the elections division when Secretary of State Jane Nelson confirmed. And uh, this is her right here in case you uh, are curious about what she looks like. Uh, this is our current Secretary of State. Her name is Jane Nelson. Okay. Now, I will admit this woman looks like she's a hoot at happy hour, but I'm more concerned about her doing her job. Okay. So um, she actually replaced Keith Ingram after he made that statement. And now we have a new elections division director for the Secretary of State's office. Her name is, again, Christina Adkins. Both Christina Atkins and Keith Ingram had been working in the Secretary of State's office for years, over a decade. Okay. Over, I mean, Christina Atkins, I think, is at 10 years last year. Okay. Keith Ingram longer. She shuffled, she she shuffled them around, is what Jane Nelson did. 
So this way, Keith Ingram could cover for Harris. They could remove him. He can ride off into the sunset. We'll get a brand new election, uh, elections division head in the office. And uh, then, you know, they'll just forget about Harris County. I mean, the way I look at it is they're always doing something to uh, to um, affect the um, elect the um I don't know why the word, I don't know why the phrase predator class keeps coming to mind, guys, but it's, you know, for these globalist elitists, you know, these rhinos, these Republicans, these uniparty establishment monsters, ladies and gentlemen, I just think they, they all work out for themselves. So, you know, just as what I would surmise is um, a broken secretaries of state office so that this way, you know, uh, you can have someone run a botched election. They can be the face of it. You got the, uh, you have the entire uh, apparatus working behind them uh, consistently. And, you know, every year, just every year and a half to two years, change out. Just get rid of your secretary of state. Get rid of your secretary of state. I'm telling you guys, I'm, I'm talking specifically to my Texas brothers and sisters out there. We need to work on getting the secretary of state's office to be an elected position because this appointed crap we should be done with ladies and gentlemen, especially when it's concerning our elections, our elections, ladies and gentlemen are the most sacred commodity that we have, whether we realize that or not. So anyways, guys, that's Jane Nelson. She got rid of Keith Ingram. I think it was just to whitewash the fact that he literally poo-pooed one of the worst elections ran in this country in 2022, okay? Harris County's the third most populous county in America, and they probably ran the second worst election in 2022, right behind Maricopa County, Arizona, which interesting enough, is the fourth most populous county in America. Anyways, let's finish up with uh, this, uh, what, Lena, what Lena Hidalgo is hiding, okay? And then we're gonna do one more story and we're done for the afternoon. Okay, uh, done for the evening. All right, let's finish this up, guys. So uh, getting back to um, uh, what uh, Lena Hidalgo's um, hiding, it says Wayne held a news conference this week with Jim Mattress Mac McIngvale to press uh, Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxton to get involved to pressure government agencies to follow the law. Um, Mr. Mattress Mac McIngvale said, we need accountability in Harris County. The people deserve to know what happened on Election Day. Shine a light on what happened on Election Night in Harris County. And if it's all good, great. If it's a problem, let's address it. Let's hold people accountable. The Senate has already passed new election integrity rules this session. Dulcefino and Mickingvale filed a lawsuit in February to demand the release of certain records from Harris County showing what the people running the elections office were doing the day of the infamous election. Okay, cool. So that was a short article. Good thing that, right? So, yeah, so she doesn't even want to release surveillance camera footage. What is that all about? Right, ladies and gentlemen? All right, guys. Yeah, that was the perfect, perfect moment. So now we have this. Lena Hidalgo, activist, partisan, leftist, judge, treason. But standing right next to her, ladies and gentlemen, is a swamp creature of the same kind, if not much worse. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about Sheila Jackson Lee, the 
three-decade U.S. House representative for District 18 in Texas. That is downtown Houston, Texas. Now, the reason why I bring this photo back up is because, to me, it makes perfect sense that in a rigged and stolen election like we're seeing and i'm going to call it rigged and stolen because all of our all of our elections are institutionalized in rigging okay all of them are all right this is what i'm coming this is the truth i am coming to and i'm just going to say it i mean it may it might make me sound un-american ladies and gentlemen it might make me sound un-american to say our elections are fake and rigged but it's because we need to get them fixed okay and I don't mean by fixing them. I mean, we need to fix the problem. But the reason why I think this is such a great photo is because, you know, we have this Democrat, Lena Hidalgo, and you guys know I don't really play the party lines, right? I mean, yeah, I'm voting for Trump, but, you know, I don't play party lines, okay? And um, But she's standing next to someone who has a history related to vote election fraud in Houston, Texas. So I said we were going to do a tiny bit of a retrospect within the last 20 years. I have one article I have to share with you guys to illustrate that this has been happening in Texas, in Houston specifically, for a long time. And I think it's quite adequate that in one of the previous articles that I was sharing with you guys that it said about 20 years, Houston, Harris County, has been a Democrat stronghold and the Republicans have been taken out, okay? So, you know, for a little bit of that history, well, you got to jump back into history. And uh, to do that, I wanted to share this story with you guys. Now, some of you guys might remember this story. Some of you guys might not remember the story. And if you've never heard about it, well, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad to share it with you. Now, I'm pretty sure that many of the vote, many of the voters, well, we're all voters here, aren't we? Well, most of us are anyways. I'm, I'm pretty sure many of the audience members um, for a show like this and anyone who is following election fraud stories is aware of the organization known as True the Vote, um, starring Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips. Okay, maybe not starring. I'm just being silly. I know I'm a fan of True the Vote. I've been a fan of True the Vote for a very long time. But the funny thing was, is I never realized the longevity that the organization True the Vote had. Indeed, its founder, Catherine Engelbrecht, has been fighting election fraud for decades, ladies and gentlemen. And this is a story about Catherine Engelbrecht in, you know, True the Vote is based in Houston, Texas. I don't know if you guys are aware of that out there in uh, in uh, broadcast land. But True the Vote is 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 based in Texas and it's based specifically in Houston, Texas. OK, so back in. Well, I'll let the story tell you for itself. OK, but um, Catherine Engelbrecht and True the Vote and um, the predecessor organization to True the Vote um, an organ. Well, it was a group. It was a group of people called the King Street Patriots. OK, and they uncovered massive voter fraud. In Sheila Jackson Lee's district in Houston, Texas, guys, this is just uh, this is just to, to to bring forward old election fraud stories that we might have forgotten or not known about, guys. It gives us perspective on the way these people have been working for so long. So uh, let's just jump into it, guys, because this is a really, really interesting story. If you've never heard about it again, we're going to go through most of this, but I'll get you I'll get to you guys right where we need to be. Okay. 
It's a really, really interesting story. It was an in-depth investigation, right? Okay, and uh, it involved Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote, the King Street Patriots, and Sheila Jackson Lee, election fraud, voter fraud in Harris County, Texas. I think this is 2010 to 2008 to 2010, okay? Uh, so it says here, the group, the King Street Patriot slash True the Vote, submitted their findings from the new voters registry role to the appropriate overseer, Harris County tax assessor and voter registrar, Leo Vasquez. His office held a press conference on August 24, 2010, announcing they had investigated a month's worth of newly registered voters totaling approximately 24,000 in number. They stated only an approximate 7,000 were actually new voters, and the remaining 17,000 were problematic. The tax assessor also stated that the group known uh, as Houston Votes was the voter registration arm of Texans Together Education Fund and basically served as the area's new ACORN organization. Vasquez gave a clear statement as to his organization's investigation findings during the press conference. He stated, Evidence shows that the Houston Votes and Texans Together organization is conspiring in a pattern of falsification of government documents, suborning of, uh, suborning of perjury, and a deliberate effort to overburden our processing system with thousands of duplicate and incomplete voter registration ballots or applications. Even worse, the paid personnel of Houston Votes and Texans Together are alarming citizens with wild stories about the integrity of our voter registration database. Vasquez further revealed 1,597 multiple applications for the same voters. This meant that at least two or three applications were given for one person. Some of the applicants had as many as six applications. Of the problematic applications, 1,014 were for already registered voters. 1,133 of the applicants claimed, under penalty of perjury, to have no photo ID. Yet the Harris County investigation revealed that the vast majority of them did, in fact, have a driver's license. In addition, 325 of the applicants were too young to vote. 25 of the applicants were identified as not being U.S. citizens. Keep in mind, the Harris County tax assessor and voter registrar investigation only covered the registrations from a one-month period in Harris County alone. Engelbrecht's True the Vote organization then decided to look at the actual registry and not just the new registrations. The group obtained the nearly, the nearly 2 million person Harris County voter registry roll. The group subdivided the registry by congressional districts due to the size of the data. After the registry was divided into the seven congressional districts, which Harris County encompasses, True the Vote needed a starting point to isolate red flags for possible irregularities. They decided to start looking at registrations that had addresses six or more people were registered to. The group found the seven congressional districts had four that were predominantly Republican and three that were predominantly Democrat.
The four predominantly Republican districts had a range from 1,973 to 3,300 instances with six or more people registered to one address. The three predominantly Democrat districts had much higher numbers. Though this could possibly be attributed to variations in socioeconomic factors between the predominantly Republican and predominantly Democrat districts, um, what the group found next was alarming. The predominantly Democrat districts themselves had large variations between them in the number of instances with six or more registered voters at one address. The first had 7,560. The second had 8,981. And the third, the district that belongs to Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, the prominent outspoken Democrat congresswoman, had 19,596 instances with six or more voters registered at one address. True the Vote then compared the socioeconomic demographics of the three predominantly Democrat congressional districts in an effort to explain why Jackson Lee's district could have such a high number. In comparison, Engelbrecht told Town Hall, the group had found no significant difference to explain such a drastic variation in the numbers. The group began doing research into the abnormalities in Jackson Lee's district. They took the first 3,800 registrations of the flagged 19,596 instances with six or more registrants at one address and began to investigate further. The group visited addresses and scoured property tax records. The group found many of the addresses were vacant lots or business addresses. 39 were registered at businesses, and 97 of the addresses were non-existent. 106 of the registrations revealed the same registrant registered more than once, and 207 of the addresses turned out to be vacant lots. Meanwhile, 595 registrations had registrants with driver's licenses addresses not matching the registration, and many were voting in a district they did not live in. Of the random 3,800 registrations from Jackson Lee's predominantly Democrat dis district, 25% had critical errors. The media began to focus on the findings from the Harris County Tax Assessor's Office and True the Vote. Shortly after the August 24 press conference announcing the results of the office investigation, a fire of unknown origins burned down the warehouse containing all of Harris County's voting equipment. In total, the fire claimed 10,000 voting machines, which was approximately $30 million worth of equipment. Harris County then spent $750,000 on paper ballots as an emergency measure. Meanwhile, Houston Votes, Texans Together, and the Democrat Party of Texas all filed lawsuits against Catherine Engelbrick's organization in short order. The lawsuits at the time of this article were still ongoing. What do you think about that, America? What do you think about that? That is dramatic. 
And that's the woman right there. That's Sheila Jackson Lee right next to Lunatic Hidalgo, ladies and gentlemen. Can you, that's the only good idea I might add, ladies and gentlemen, that Sheila Jackson Lee has ever had. The only good idea that Sheila Jackson Lee has ever had. Well, that would be to burn down the voting machines, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but tell you what, Sheila, can we at least get all of the vote information off those machines before we trash them? Because I think we should just get rid of them. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring our show to a close this evening, afternoon, depending, I guess, where you are in the nation or around the world. I guess it could be nighttime. Thanks again for being here, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of The Sea Report and uh, hanging in with this special Texas episode. I'll, I'll get to work clipping out as soon as I can, guys, in case anyone wants to share this information or just share the information. Doesn't matter where your source came from, right? You know, I got plenty of articles here you guys can reference. Just, you know, uh, pop a DM and if you want some or links or whatever. But either way, thank you again for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Please make sure that you hit the like and the rumble button. Uh, make sure you follow along to get notifications. And if you'd like to support this broadcast, you can subscribe at a monthly rate, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, pilled.net, on odyssey.com and over at Twitch. Uh, or you can join locals or uh, you can become a member of the C team over at uh, pill.net guys. So again, every little bit helps. And you know what, just sharing the show, the news, getting the word out, uh, hitting the like button definitely helps uh, the work that I do here. So again, ladies and gentlemen, if you will, and, or, you know, and say, if you're just catching the replay, if you're catching the replay for sure, hit that thumbs up. Okay. All right, guys, I'm going to head out. It's been a fun one this afternoon. Uh, we'll be back on the air sooner than later, most likely here at Mr. CTV for the C report. I have been your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, also known as Mr. C. You guys have a great afternoon. And as always, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. I'll see you next time. Take care, y'all.